0: Hey, it's Tim from Spawning Woods here doing a little morning wood recapping the Brisbane test between Australia and Sri Lanka. We do apologize for not having an episode out sooner. We tried to get um, all together in a room and and record an episode, but with conflicting schedules and this test match uh, coinciding with the long weekend, it was just quite difficult for us. But we did want to get something out there for our listeners, we do appreciate your support, so uh, thank you very much for listening throughout the summer. So, there's not really much to report about this test, uh, to be honest. Um, The day-night tests do traditionally, and by traditionally I mean over the last, what, four years, have tended to go for a shorter length of time for the most part, and this test was, you you know, no exception is done in under three days. Um, Australia winning by an innings and 40 runs. Um, the Brisbane crowd, again, disappointing. And this is one of the things that, that everyone keeps hashing on about with the Brisbane crowds. It's not so much that like the Brisbane crowds don't show up for tests, it's just we get put in the worst situations all the time. Uh, you know, obviously, hometown bias being here in Queensland, but we got the opening test stripped away from us and and that's always a big thing you know we we prided we always pride ourselves here in Queensland on on that test record at the gabba um and it's something that that you know all Queenslanders and all Australians are proud of so um you know we could uh, make the argument that if we played a day night test against india um would we have won and i think we'd have a better chance of of drawing or winning that series if we did have a test up here, but India, first of all, didn't want to play a day-night test. Um, so that ruled out even the possibility in Adelaide for it as well. Coupled with the fact that um, the gap has now been downgraded by Cricket Australia as the fifth best venue for test cricket in this country, so... We do we are now the the you know runt of the litter per se, so um, the the quality of team that that we are able to view on our home turf plus also the timing uh, that that's that's a big thing that no one was really talking about uh, in brisbane we're in southeast queensland we're lucky that we have so many great places to go for long weekends and being the weekend before school starts for you know, all our primary and high schoolers, plus, you know, the fact that it was a long weekend, a lot of people do travel away and and don't want to necessarily go out to the cricket. It's also extremely hot and humid over those three days as well. You know, crickets played in summer, I know it's hot all the time, but those are the factors that can be put into place and, and give out disappointing crowds. Uh, you could make the argument that the crowds have been poor, all round, for the most part, um, even the Perth Test, um, a sixty thousand seat, brand new, billion dollar stadium, and they weren't able to get it half full most of the time. So, yeah, I, I find that the the argument about the crowds and how Brisbane doesn't show up is a little bit of a cop out because there are factors that we have to deal with here um, that that other factors uh, that other grounds don't. So. I really don't like the crowd argument as to why we sh- why here in Brisbane we shouldn't get the top uh, teams and the the best scheduling and all that sort of stuff. But um, it's now up to the Queensland government to to put some money in and and upgrade the facilities and upgrade the precinct at Wollongabba and. Um, public transport's always been an issue to get to the, in and around the Gabba, so they're they're all things that they're going to have to look at to really entice the top top class cricket matches are uh, here in Brisbane. But enough about the politics of the crowds. The game itself. There were some few highlights, and, and the first one being um, the emergence of Jai Richardson. I thought he bowled really well in that first dig. Um, took a wicket in his first spell, and he was really fired up. Um, always exciting to watch a new, a, a debutant with the new ball just run in and rip in and give it all he's got. That was really exciting. Um, he would have loved bowling on that Gabba deck, as all pace bowlers do. bit of grass. Um, a little bit of moisture as well, um, so there was still, still lots in it for the bowlers, even after day three, um, so yeah, he would have been licking his lips for the, you know, a dream debut at the Gabba. Uh, Speaking of bowlers, you know, Pat Cummins, uh, 10 wickets for the match, he's really emerged, um, out of this sandpaper scandal as, um, Australia's shining light, um, with both bat and ball, saved our backsides a lot in that India, um, test series, and continues to just be an absolute stud with the ball, bowled really, really well, a lot of the Sri Lankan batsmen did not want to face him, and, you know, he reaped the rewards of some really good bowling, by everyone, but, yeah, uh, Cummins was just an absolute star, um... Four four for thirty nine in the first innings, and and followed that up with six for twenty three off fifteen overs, in the second dig. Uh, from an Australian batting standpoint, um, all out for three twenty three. Um, you, we had Harris, Labuschagne, Head, and Patterson all get, sort of genuine starts. I mean, Labuschagne and Head. Both got out in the 80s, and they'd be so disappointed with that because um, probably no better opportunity to score a ton. And you know, Labuschagne is a, a Queensland boy as well, so he missed a golden opportunity to, to score a ton in front of his home crowd on his home pitch. Um, will those two ever get a better opportunity to score a century in Test cricket? Yeah, probably not, unless it's going to happen in this Test that starts tomorrow. This is the last Test match um before the ashes as well so there there is a lot riding on it for those fringe players. Uh Harris again made a good start but just wasn't able to press on uh out for 44. Joe Burns um brought back into the side to open the batting did a solid job but just got a good ball and and he got out just in that that um what do we want to call it? that period where the sun's just set and that appears to be the hardest time for batsmen in these day-night tests uh something moving forward teams will have to sort of think about tactically and strategically as to how they want to play play that um period of time each day um particularly with the new ball uh seems to be doing a bit more than than uh, usual times Kwaisha disappointing again. Eleven. Um, T. Payne got great nut first ball. Um, Lackmal with the five wicket haul for Sri Lanka is about the only positive sign for them really in the in the bowling. Uh, no one else not doing anything too much. A controversial moment in the test, and it was hard to tell. Tirimane. Caught pain ball Cummins reviewed by a DRS and did not appear to have anything on the hot spot. Did not appear to come up on Snicko at the time that the ball was passing the bat, but still given out. And I was at a pub in Byron Bay watching this uh, unfold and I wasn't able to hear the sound of what they were saying so I come at this with a completely unbiased view even till this day but I was looking at the rotation of the ball and I think there was a deviation in the rotation of the ball um, that does suggest it hits something whether it was the bat I don't know but it did look like there was yeah that deviation of the rotation of of the seam of the ball and that was without any sound or commentary or anything like that. I so said, I reckon he's he's definitely touched it. But the evidence wasn't there to say that he did. And be, I think because he was giving out that there was, you know, that insufficient evidence and all that sort of gear. But it was just a really weird sort of moment because even go back 10 years, imagine if Ricky Ponting was given out to that. There'd be an absolute blow up beyond all belief Uh, with that decision, so interesting little tidbit in the game, caused a little bit of drama and divided opinion, but I think if he was given not out, I don't know if they could have definitively definitively said that he was out, Um, another shining, or not really shining moment, but one person that did stand out um, for the Sri Lankans is Dick Weller, Um, batted really well, Um, had to do a lot with not much around him. Um, he did bat with the towel the majority of the time, so he was looking after trying to get some quick runs and things like that. So, uh, quite inventive. We saw a ramp, uh, in Test Cricket. So, you know, for all you purists out there, uh, don't, you know, don't say that, um, these things don't happen in Test Cricket, because they apparently do. Um... The one other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the debut of Curtis Patterson. Um, I've had big raps on this guy for a long time, um, coming out of New South Wales, um, and fresh off um, two centuries in the one game against Sri Lanka in the tour match. He uh, wasn't even picked in the squad, obviously, but with the form they they brought him in, and uh, you know, I think it was deserved in the sense that you know he he was the hot hand that we spoke about in um the previous episode and he didn't disappoint i mean he he was very nervous you could tell he was nervous being his first game and so it took him a while to sort of get into it but he batted okay he batted a lot with the tail obviously um so there was that you know he had that extra responsibility cuz he usually bats well up the order in um shield cricket but yeah 30 off 82 I thought it was a very solid debut uh with all things considered and um, batted very patiently I thought um and he took a spectacular catch as well which was um you know that'll be on highlight reels for years to come so yeah there's a there's a lot for the selectors to think about here because like I said it's going it is the last test match before the Ashes I don't know if we can take every single um, player, uh, I think they'll probably take a 16-man squad, give or take. i will have to take two keepers. So where does that leave these players? The Joe Burns, the Matty Renshaws, the Laber the Travis Heads, and the Curtis Pattersons of the world. I think they're all going to be fighting for maybe three or four positions because we've still got those two players to come back into the squad. Um, I think Smith will definitely be in. I think that's that's obvious that we're missing someone like him in our lineup. Warner not so much, won't surprise me either way, to be honest. So, um, you know, we saw Matty Renshaw have a a magical county season before he broke his hand or his finger or something like that. Um, just this last county season, so he's he's got strong consideration and form in the conditions against players that will they'll be playing against. So. You can't necessarily rule him out, um, even though he's he was removed from the second test squad for the big stoin, And I'd love to see Stoyne in. Um, Australia still has their obsession with their all-rounders, and, and look, I totally get it. I love Stoyne, I think he's great. I think he is a test cricketer. I'd love to see him in, whether or not they chuck him in right now um, to give him a taste before the Ashes or... Or whatever they decide, um, I think a team with Stoinis in it has a is a team that can win a Test match. Um, he does have the ability to contribute with bat and ball, and you know I I think he's deserved his spot. I think he's been a form shield and domestic player for the last three or four years. Definitely seen improvement each year in his performance, particularly in his batting, and deserves his deserves a spot. Uh, in the test team and potentially on the plane to England as well so there's lots of stories for us Aussie boys uh, in this second test will this test be the defining moment for for those for someone like Travis Head who has made a couple of starts but hasn't really established himself or is it time for Joe Burns who's probably on the outside looking in for that Ashes tour to really ton up and and put pressure on the selectors to take him over to England as a as an opening uh batsman option. So lots to look forward to um in this second test, Canberra's got themselves a test. Um Hobart missed out this year. Um so it will be interesting to see how the how the pitch holds up over the course of 5 days plus the fact that um you know the the scheduling of the test being when everyone's back at school, so with crowds and things like that, how will that compare? And and will we get enough chatter about that? I I doubt it because you know, it they'll they'll always make concessions for other grounds and not Brisbane, hometown bias with my Tim foil hat on right there. So that pretty much wraps it up. Um, a good win, good solid win by the Aussies, but definitely definitely a win. Not only did they need that win, but a win that they needed um, to, to really stake a claim for positions heading forward, in, um, heading forward towards the Ashes next year. Another dominant performance uh, should be expected from the Australian public in this test coming up uh, in Canberra starting tomorrow. So we look forward to that. Thanks very much for listening, guys. It's been Tim here from Sporting Woods. Um, always, As always, check out our Facebook page, Sporting Woods, um, and give us a like and subscribe on all your podcasting apps or any way that you listen to our podcast. We do appreciate um, your listenership. So, signing off for now and enjoy the second test.